0: Bandwidth for the Weird Things Podcast provided by Tree, For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to WiredTree.com.
1: Welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, joined by Brian Brushwood. That is a fact, and that's all you're joined by. You, me, and Bryce. That's who the Weird Things Podcast has always been. What more could we need, gentlemen? Nothing. I'm going to jump right into a question. A what if. And I have a couple what ifs for this podcast. The first what if is something that we visited... Oh, I don't know. Maybe four years ago, on these very microphones. One of was literally these microphones, but on this podcast. Well, not this podcast, but this podcast show. Go Can on. I clarify myself any further? Than that? Yeah, sure, sure. There are some pedantic people out there that listen, in particular myself. So I want you to imagine, Brian. You wake up tomorrow, and some killer flu type thing is raging across the world all right and this is a scenario we've seen we've seen repeated over and over again it's even a a tv show but it was then the tv show didn't deliver on the premise of the tv show to my disappointment wait which one which one i'm getting to that oh okay all right all right all right and uh you're watching everybody one by one the world starts to drop off like flies your family every one of them Dead. Oh, dead. Okay. Right, this right. super flu wipes off everybody. You're the last man. You're the last man, Brian.
0: Uh, am I the last human or the just the last man?
1: Last human, Brian. Uh, can, enough with the fantasy there.
0: So 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 the question is, like let's say whether or not that's factually true, because I'm gonna assume there's no internet, I can't really check anything. Maybe I could find a ham radio station and ask around if anyone's around. Maybe set up a beacon saying I think I'm the only man alive. And let's say some indeterminate amount of time goes
1: past. Let's say a week. Week goes by. Yeah. All there is is you've you've been holed up in your house in Austin, okay, and you know corpses everywhere. No, no human. What do you do? It's a week. It's a week. You just watch the news starts tomorrow. People are getting sick. It's spreading. You know, Monday night, you're like, oh man, there's a lot of people who've been sick. Congress is not going to go into session and it keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. Family gets sick. You, you know, your children are all dead by Tuesday. Yes. Bonnie's dead by Wednesday. Okay. Yes. Justin man. and I, dead, dead. I'm like, I'm hold up here. Like, like Brian, I, I'm going to hold up onto this. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you later. Yeah, yeah, I'll call you later. And I'm like, who's operating this cellular network? I thought everyone's dead. Yeah, there's some, some redundancies in place to keep the thing going. Those people, they're, they're trying to keep that stuff so we're, going. We're, and then We're coasting.
0: Um, okay, so seven days is long enough because, I mean, think about – time is a funny thing. Think about times that you've gone on a seven-day camping retreat and people you meet on monday by the time you leave them the following sunday you feel like you've known them a lifetime you've already forged alliances and broken them you have best friendships you have darkest enemies and whatever seven days is long enough that if i'm if i don't see a person during all that time and i feel like you see people they're just dead right correct correct i don't see any living people um I feel like I feel like 7 days is enough for me to possibly have complete despair take over where and 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 here's the big question because this is going to be there's going to be a dumb parallel a dumb side what do you there, there's a game I played let's take the game 3s right uh, uh which is similar to the game Drop 7 on the iPhone it's one of those games where you get random inputs and you keep doing the best you can to manage what you've got to mm-hmm. keep building a building and building. But there is a moment at which point you can tell it is truly hopeless. You don't know if it's going to be 12 you – know you you're like maybe it's five moves, maybe it's ten moves away. But there's defi- – it's definitely over at this point. You take one gamble and you're like, if it's so-and-so, maybe I'm still in the game. But then you're like, no, I'm definitely not in the game. I'm not going to lie – on drop seven and on threes, once I reach that point, just hit reset. I'm like, what's the, don't even see the point of doing that. Now, if I had a terminal illness, I could say, well, definitely five or six turns left. But during that time, I can make an impact on my children on my children's children and all that stuff. But you're proposing a scenario in which I have time to become convinced that all of humanity is truly lost and it's just a matter of like, whether it's five turns, a hundred turns, like I, I gotta tell you, I would seriously consider uh, uh, just, just cashing out, just, just, five, uh, mm. b- uh, messing around until I found some high end heroin, <laughs> and mm. then, and then being all like, well, I hear this is pretty good, weep, and then out I go.
1: Interesting. So, so your, your, your thought is you're going to check out. Um, I, well, well,
0: that's what I'd be afraid of. Like like mm-hmm. absent a re- I, I am by nature an extremely optimistic person. But if the evidence is strong enough that there's no cause to be optimistic for literally anything, like there's no takeaway uh, – actually, I take that back. Now that I think about it, knowing me, I would probably decide all of humanity is dead. There's plenty of food around. I appear to be immune. There's some predators I'll have to worry about. There's plenty of guns, but I can have a lasting impact on telling the story of the end of humanity. And I would probably grow a giant beard and start finding some stone tablets and, and carving out the the story of the end of days. I would become that crazy that crazy hermit guy, Moses. Yeah. Well, no, no, he, he was a prophet oh. in among the
1: living. <laughs> I think this is the episode of Bible with weird things. <laughs> so i mean here's what we would know so we would know that that you, you would start to think things through and you'd be like okay so weeks gone by you'd be like okay i know that there were ships out at sea that maybe didn't have it i know that there might be some military installations in some other places that probably haven't been infected yet so there are probably pockets of humanity somewhere um dramatic break (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, as Andrew coughs. Um So what you know is you, you can assume there probably are some people somewhere. Now there might be only a matter of time before they end up getting infected, but there might be sort of a life cycle if they stay in close. So you kind of have this idea like you may never see another human being for the rest of your life because there may only be like 30,000 people on the entire planet. Yeah. Um, and so you could say that like, okay, you do have some incentive to the idea that Somebody somewhere may hear my story. Somebody somewhere at some point may hear this, or maybe it'll be the aliens and they come down after they see, you know, their handiwork.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, if that's the case, then I, I suppose at, I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff. I'll assume I don't need to tell, you know, the, the, all of recorded history is fairly well recorded. Um, I of course would selfishly want to tell my story and things that, uh, that I knew um the, the question is what medium would i do it in i would probably do it in a recorded medium that 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 replays in some kind of you know broad spectrum thing on the off chance somebody comes of course, it would be all embarrassing. What if what if what if what if, what if uh, somebody comes upon your your broadcast and they listen to all sixty hours of your accounting and they they give it a one star review and call it a bad <laughs> prog rock album, basically? Because there's <laughs> only one other person to review it. It's yes, exactly. And I'm like, oh, as, I, as I'm dying, I'm like, ah, the are the the reviews are universally terrible.
1: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. So, but that's your, your, your idea is to journal what took place and what happened.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, what else is there to do? I, I, I suppose, now, though this is assuming I've given up, I this is assuming I've taken as fact the fact that humanity is all, uh, all, all of dead. I, I would like to think that with my skeptical nature, I would keep on fighting the good fight more than seven days, but mm-hmm. if, if we're playing the game of assuming that that's not the case, then I think we get an interesting, different result.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think that I, like I said, I think the assumption would probably be that you would think that maybe somewhere there are some people, but your chances of encountering them are extremely limited, you know, and, you know, the safest thing may be to not move around. Got it. So you're saying
0: I have to weigh – so it's not a case where – where I know for a fact everyone's dead, but instead, uh, I, I, I don't want to make it a cartoon. But let's let's assume it's closer to a zombie outbreak type thing, where it's like there's persistent danger everywhere, and encountering other people is probably not a safe thing. I mean, at that point, then then
1: it's a battle between me and them, between who can last the well, longest. And it, you you think about it, and it may be a uh, a battle between you and them. It could be. A and When I say battle, I mean a battle for resources, a
0: race for resources where it's like I need to – like a real-time strategy game. I need to protect myself. I need to protect my resources. I need to make sure that that, that should I encounter someone, I, I don't get close
1: enough to get infected with whatever that is. Instead of Bug, just walk across my keyboard here.
0: <laughs> it's beginning! Run! I, I, I Ju-
1: Justin and John Teasdale stay in here. Next thing you know, this place is infested. Um <laughs> Is what a soylent bottle's for. It's going to get a burial in here. Uh, it's a burial at <laughs> soylent. Um, Man, I can't
0: think of a more indignant way for a bug to go than drowning in pure nutrition.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the irony. Uh, so let's talk about immediate things. So how are you – what are you going to do for survival? What are you going to do – like I live across the street from a supermarket. Sure. And like the first thing I'm doing is like I'm thinking, okay, I'm finding the most secure place around here that I know – and storing up you know i'm taking so so we've entered we've entered looting phase where where
0: there's enough evidence for me to think like crap's bad enough that it's time to just start grabbing first and asking questions later, right you
1: know you go to the supermarket and everybody's dead okay
0: <laughs> yeah. uh not gonna lie god this is this is the dark thing i my first assumption will be that there's enough humanity around that um. That, yes, I should get enough food, basic foodstuffs, <laughs> but I should also recognize that pound for pound, the most valuable trading goods will be intoxicants. Ah. <laughs> so I'm going to primarily – I'm going to load like 80-20. I'm going to get eight, uh, 20% rice and water – 80%, you know, a bunch of vitamins, and then 80% uh, uh, glenfiddich
1: or whatever. All right, but Brian, <laughs> let's, let's do the math on this. Let's <laughs> figure this out. Let's say in your estimate, uh, you could probably in, a, in two days driving around get a reasonable estimate of how many people are alive. You know, you could say that there's, there's not more than one in 10,000 people alive, right? Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. So you know that at that population level, your alcohol – Will be There's, relatively be, infinite, right? Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're gonna like, "Hey guys, look what I got!" And they're like, "Yeah, Brian, look what we got." <laughs> I, I I
0: suspect, that, but but again, this is the early days when I uh, when I am not really clear on how many other humans there are. And keep in mind, that was the first move that Sawyer pulled on Lost was he was the smart one who went and stole all the uh, all all the booze, uh, tiny two ounce bottles from the plane. Um, it seems like that would be a power play. Once I had enough of those, I'm like, okay, I, I have them squirreled away. In fi- first of all, I am now declaring myself warlord, chieftain of my neighborhood. Uh, like, like I'm, 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 I'm assuming ownership of all these houses. I'm going to, I'm going to tuck stuff in
1: all of them in different places. So I got squirreled I, o- you, away. You go, you march yourself right down to city hall, prop yourself up in the judges, you know, in a, in the courtroom and you declare yourself. I declare myself owner of everything. <laughs> I declare. those. <All> <laughs> oh,
0: yes, oh. Exactly. Okay, so I, you're you're saying it's probably not a good idea to think in well, and I'm I'm assuming like you that I'll get to that point where I where I realize that that resources aren't a problem and that I've wasted my first four days hoarding stuff in what well, will essentially be an, an abundance economy.
1: Well, I, I would say one is that some things like there there's you know that you want to like you're gonna want to hoard things, can't things that will keep you know, but. I am charmed by the idea of there's some there is a story to be told about somebody who figures out the legal means by which to inherit everything.
0: <laughs> you oh, know,
1: wait, wait, oh, oh my god, somebody who goes through the
0: the county goes clerk to city Records. hall, like
1: how do you like? Oh, how does this? What's the chain of command and default in this situation? <laughs> he spends he spends all this time living on uh, jars of pickles
0: and going through legal briefs, figuring out like, oh, I finally did it. That is the proof that I am the heir and I am the king of England. I Check filed a quick
1: off. claim on everything. <laughs> <And> <laughs> next up. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's like, uh, well, let's go for the
0: Czech Republic. Uh, let's see, how does that uh, go through the, the, the law books? Um, I got to think the first thing you do, if everybody's dead in the neighborhood, first thing you do is you assess how much food you have. Second thing, again, you're afraid of other humans or other animals or whatever. You go round up everybody's guns. Um,
1: what about the bodies, Brian? Yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, you throw them outside, certainly. Would you just throw them outside? <sighs> You've got to drag them all the way down the street and then into the ravine. It's so far. I mean, it's like they're going to be – it'll stink for like, I don't know, four weeks
1: maybe. Increase your chances of getting sick and also bring in buzzards. Yeah, see, I don't want bra-
0: to touch any of that. Uh, maybe, maybe I pour lye. Is that a thing? I saw that on TV. I, I, I go in and I, and I find in people's uh, detergents, I find lye and pour it on people. And then some people I experiment pouring Clorox. Other people um, I does somebody br- in your neighborhood have a pool?
1: Uh, oh, yeah. No, there's a few pools. You drain the pool, pour the bodies in, and you burn them. How
0: do I drain a pool, though? I'm just going to throw it in the pool. That Gravity. Is,
1: of, what's, what? You ever taken a, a hose? i never drained a pool before.
0: Uh, Well, I don't know where the – I mean, I've drained a hot tub. Can I put them all in a hot tub?
1: Well, Brian, think about this. You have thousands of pounds of flesh attracting every kind of parasite and bacterium that you don't want around. Every scavenger, every buzzard, everything like that. Wild dogs. Again, understand that feral dogs are going to be one of the biggest things you're going to have to deal with because as soon as – after a week or two of them starving, they're going to adapt to human flesh.
0: Uh, Okay, so – to be honest, I probably wouldn't think of the pool thing. I would probably drag them all downhill into – I would start a, a funeral pyre. But again, like I would probably be too afraid to get close to their corpses. I guess – okay. Oh, oh, oh. I got the hazmat suits left over from the modern rogue
1: shoot, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and I've got our homemade gas masks, and I put those on, and I walk around like a like a, a a Kmart Walter White, dragging out all the bodies of all my neighbors. I would set fire to to all of them, uh, but even then, I'd be nervous about like how much gas. Oh, so this is another thing. Everybody acts like in the future you can siphon off gas from everything after the apocalypse, but that's not true. Like all of the gas from all of the cars will evaporate in like 2 or 3 months,
1: right? Uh, um, I don't it depends like if you're talking ground tanks whatever, uh depends on the size of the tank. No, no, no. I'm talking about from other cars. Let's see.
0: Uh E10 uh, yeah, that's ethanol gas, so that'll that'll go away. After three months or so, um, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think in cars you can have a problem. Like it takes a while; you have to start. And so, yeah, I think there's there's going to be. It's not like you just leave it there for three, you know, three years and then start it up.
0: Well, and also, how how good is how good is, how valuable is gas, right? Like if what you're doing is using it not for uh, energy to propel a vehicle, but instead for heat and for sterilization, it seems like you'd be better off fermenting just alcohol or or getting or or getting pure alcohol or whatever. Maybe,
1: maybe. I mean, you're you're gonna, you're not gonna you're not gonna have to worry too much about sorts of fuel supplies and things like that, because you know also what you you will be able to do is you know at some point you'll be able to grab every solar panel in. The neighborhood and around and just be able to use power and yeah, if I, i'd be how,
0: how do i how do i learn how to use said solar panels like uh as, as assuming uh, well first of all i probably i'm not going to steal anyone else's solar panel i'll probably just appropriate somebody else's house who has solar panels
1: mm, yeah and, i mean you might need a lot more though if you wanted to really be electric but you're yeah. not going to steal, steal from who brian
0: uh, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, I said appropriate, uh, but I mean uh, a- annex. Because as the king of England, I can annex various territories yeah. here in these United yeah. States former territories. Yeah,
1: yeah. You might want to go like for power, like diesel. Diesel. I think diesel fuel lasts much longer. Yes. In good point.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, uh, and I guess there's are there diesel generators? I guess yes, I'll have right. time to
1: learn all this. There are diesel generators.
0: Okay, right on six months to a year without significant fuel degradation if you keep it clean, cool, and dry. That's not a long time. No, no. So I have to assume... But I think that's about twice as long as the regular fuel. That you, The regular fuel could be six months to a year if you had a, a, a preservative or something in it. Okay. This is without that. All right, all right. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, so... Okay, so I have a short deadline before things get really dire. Uh, is there any reason for me to suspect that I'll ever encounter another human being?
1: I don't know. Is there?
0: I, I, I would feel like I would keep constant vigilance the first 30 to 90 days, and then very quickly I'd just assume I'm
1: the only guy. I, I think I would lose discipline pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. What is undisciplined Brian like in this post-apocalyptic age? It's an awful
0: lot like current day Brian. It's uh it's not great.
1: <laughs> you just are you just like figuring out how to get power for your vibe?
0: Uh yeah. I'm just like, oh like one more time. Let me believe I'm in space. Take me away from all of this. I can't smell anything. I have all the free room now. <laughs> yes, exactly. I set up the vibe in the
1: streets. <laughs> I I here's 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 and flash forward like six months later. I've got a beard still only from here, scraggly, right? Backpack, wiry thin, like 120 pounds, whipcord thin. Hiking down an Austin street of a suburb, hair, just just shaggy. I don't look anything like myself, shaggy hair write this, just like maybe like... And yet still writing a novel on parchment as you travel forward. <laughs> well, as I as I march through the, the, the Austin streets and I come across this house with a bunch of solar panels and this all around it, okay, and a big diesel truck there with the lawns overrun, and then I hear... Tonight on NSFW, it's me.
0: It's the open. number one program in the world. The only one the worth watching. And there you
1: are, and there's like this horrible straw man version of Justin, you know, with the camera on him, you know, a stick figure, Bryce. <laughs> right. The microphone's already plugged in. Like, shh, I'm broadcasting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually hit the mute button and I mouthed the words, I'm live. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we got our special guest, uh, former president of the United States, Barack Obama. What's going on, B-dog? Oh. <laughs> uh yeah, I could totally see that. Uh man, I I I don't know. I I honestly don't know. I I I guess I would I would assume that r- Oh, man, that's got to be tough. To take on faith the idea that anybody will ever see anything you write and to bother to stay alive in what appear to be, like, the most dire of circumstances. I don't know.
1: I I think, like, I'm going to go, like, full Christo, the artist, in, like, I live in L.A., you know. I'm going to see... What kind of performance art pieces and stuff I can do? You, you
0: just uh, exist as the Salvador Dali of, of the universe at this point, where it's like
1: anything that can happen should starting now. I'm gonna take like a skyscraper and smash out enough windows to make my face. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go to the Coliseum and put every single combustible thing I can drag in there and set a fire there. Uh, I'm I'm gonna leave my mark, and it won't be a pretty mark, ladies and gentlemen. It's gonna be a destructive, but very, very visual sort of mark. Uh, I believe it. So, um, is was, was this story pulled
0: from like an actual story? Did this happen to someone? They believe the world had ended. No, no, Brian. Okay,
1: good. All right, all right. <laughs> Brian, world's roll, not ended. Don't. Worry. I,
0: I I mean, I just like I mean, if you know something, just blink twice and go to the Patreon plug. Uh, Oh, three times. Oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Uh, Hey, man, if you enjoy weird things, if you love thinking about the end of the world, if you love stuff like Sasquatch but don't necessarily believe in them, then why don't you be one of the 428 patrons who support us over at patreon.com slash weird things. W-E-I-R-D-T-H-I-N-G-S. You guys are keeping us uh, on the regular. You are our Metamucil. Yes. (laughs) It's otherwise, if you want to be that. Otherwise, we would be erratic and uh, and heterogeneous and uh, and and very challenging to deal with.
1: So, speaking of the end of the world, though, Brian. Yeah. Uh, let me see here. I've got. Yeah, we'll jump right into this. So, I mean, we've been having, you know, there's been a lot of lot of panic, a lot of a lot of conversations, a lot of talk, a lot of chatter about the whole Brexit, right? Yeah. Okay. So
0: I got I got busted. Um, I was in a conversation with someone recently, and uh, they were all like, uh, "Hey, how about that Brexit?" Where, uh, and they you know insert partisan side one or the other. And uh, I I've been comfortably out of the loop on this. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really weird to tune in to an issue after everybody is polarized on it because mm-hmm. it's it's like. You only see a funhouse mirror on both sides and you have to kind of guess what the original intent was. Because now all I see is tweets saying, hey, guess who's racist as of now, Britain. And then and then you see tweets saying like, yeah, we really stuck it to the bureaucrats, didn't we? Hooray for freedom. And I'm just like, I don't know what any of this
1: means. Uh, Did you have do you have a way to sum it up? Uh, well, and and, I mean, I think you... One, listen, we're Americans. So, to all of our British listeners, we apologize right off the bat for our ignorance on this topic and our subject and whatever we say, right? I might as well just, might as well shut this podcast down because we're only going to make you upset, you know. Um, so, let me make that, yeah, let me make that yeah, very, very clear. Breaking news we get angry letters, Americans self-obsessed. Well, <laughs> Film we at 11. Uh, but guess what? Everybody is. Okay? Yes, of course. I mean, the course. only people aren't are people whose borders are regularly invaded every 30 years. Sure. You know, it's like, what do you call somebody who only speaks one language? I don't know. Somebody with really good border security.
0: <laughs> yeah. somebody, somebody, somebody who, who managed to have ever. their
1: language become the lingua franca
0: that uh, that everyone else learns.
1: Hey, we're America. Yeah. Okay, what do you call somebody who's, you know, who speaks language? I don't know. Somebody's never been invaded. That, that's what I call them.
0: <laughs> wow, dude. We're really we're really taking a victory lap on this
1: one. <laughs> um, so, hey, I already said, warned it. So. It's obviously it's I have been following it prior to that and 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 I will you know my my sort of source of where I've been following it are you know people who are pro Brexit because of from their position as far as how they view how they want to participate in a representative democracy and their, and their sort of their viewpoint is is that as the EU so much of the authority gets put to Brussels and for bureaucrats are unelected and that's frustrating for them and that's why they have a problem with it because of the way that you know, if you're a member country, you can't say yes or no to certain regulations, things that are passed through there and whatnot. So, it's 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 a complicated issue, and and I think that part of what part of what's been frustrating for people who who like uh, who are were not for leave, you know, for the Remain campaign, for people from, from over here watching this, is the you know for some people they look at you know it gets into like where do you want the future to be where do you want the world to go where do you see the future is this and do we see the future as this one world government you know where we travel freely and all that and some people see that this is a because of this vote from the UK to leave the EU they see that this is a step backwards from that view a, a step backwards from that goal where other right, people would and, say and, that and, like, so yes and, that's a great view but this is not the path to it where you give up your local your, – your democracy and you give up your right to vote on certain things on a local level. When you, when you push those off to bureaucrats and to panels and things like that you have no control over, then you lose an aspect of freedom. And so that's my way of sort of summing that up. And again, everybody's going to have their own interpretation of it and I will tell you this is that I would say that if you're reading one side telling you what the other side thinks – you're not getting an accurate view of that other side's point of view. Well, and, and, and this is a, probably a
0: good point for me to bring up one of my favorite concepts that I've learned in the last decade, the idea of the ideological Turing test. And I think I mentioned it before on on Weird Things because this is the kind of issue... Where you uh, can often get a polarized view, or a, certainly I have, as I you know, I, and uh, I'll be first to admit I haven't really tried to understand. I've only passively been watching the funhouse mirror versions of everything. But uh, but the uh, as you know, the Turing test is a test in which a, a artificial intelligence attempts to pass as human. And if you can't tell if it's an AI or a human, then it's you know, for all effectives uh, or all uh, effects purposes, it's a uh, artificially intelligent being. Um, uh, likewise, an ideological Turing test is imagine you – if you're somebody who supports Brexit, imagine going into a room with a bunch of people who oppose it and being so good at use, at using their own rhetoric and expressing their own, their own ideas in a way that's palatable to them that they don't realize that you're mm-hmm. not one of them. In that case, you've passed the ideological Turing test and, of course, the inverse as well. Um, uh, I,
1: I, I, uh, I,
0: Everything's getting very cartoonized, and I well, don't see a lot of people that can pass an ideological Turing test right now.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that, and and there's a lot of. You know there are a number of people for the Brexit who were frustrated by the the very liberal immigration policy, and 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 you could draw parallels, say that you know they were acting racist or whatever too, and then that becomes one thing for somebody to single on. If you're an anti-Brexit, anti-Leave, then you could say, well, it's because these people are racist and racism is evil, so that's a bad point of view. And I would say that it would be wrong to say there wasn't that element to it, but to say that that was the entirety of it, which a lot of commentary has said, sure. is 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 disin- is not very you know disingenuine no. and. The so stuff that I've been exposed to and primarily reading Matt Ridley, you know, Matt Ridley, uh, you know, who was one of my fa- famous science writers is now a member of the House of Lords and his commentary on that, which has been, you know, very interesting to me about that. And It comes down to from their point of view is if you're a person that looks likes the idea of of kind of I look at like. I don't think direct democracy is ever going to be a great idea, but I think it's a great ideal. I think sure. that it is a thing to move towards. The more control that we as individuals have on shaping our future is better. The less that we we assign to other parties and the, le- and the more we give up, you know, I think the less free that we really are. And so I look at any time that you're able to get more democratic control over your outcome or whatever like that, um, is better. Sometimes the outcomes aren't good. You know, we're in a very scary election right now. But that's the thing with democracy so, is that it's sometimes it's going to be very, very gross and very, very frightening and very, very horrific. But I prefer that to the alternative. In in the spirit of weird things, let's
0: move to some of the nutty hypotheticals, because mm-hmm. when, when I was talking to this person, um, they they were explaining why Brexit was a good thing. And then I asked um, uh, rhetorically, I was like, wait, so if it's good for – and again, this is not a referendum. I don't care. I don't give a rat's ass what, what Britain does. This is not about that. But but the question I asked was, wait, so if it was good for Britain to leave uh, the EU, would it be good – for Texas to leave the United States. And of course, you know, Texas is one of those, that's our perennial uh, hobby every 10 years is there's some movement to talk about, you know, going back to a Republic or whatever. And, and this person was like, uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh, And, and, and so like, like can we couch this in what it would look like as Texas seceding, specifically assuming that Texas could actually vote to go independent the the question i asked because because this person was saying well it, you know bureaucrats can't run things and it'll make trade easier and i was like wait a minute if texas left the the united states are you telling me that there there would be Fewer tariffs, <laughs> like like it seems to me like the moment Texas is an independent country, the Texas Longhorn Cattle Association sends a lobbyist to Austin because now they have lobbyists because we're we would be an independent country, um, and they and they they make the case for well we just want to compete on a level playing field with all those Nebraska
1: heifers. I I would you know I would and it's hard because it's not a it's it's not a thing where everything pairs up exactly. But if you were to say that if Texas was like a territory and you were not able to elect people. To to Congress, you know, in certain, uh, elect- uh, okay. And you could have laws passed over you that you had, you didn't ah, have crap. the
0: ability. Now, 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 now we're making it too real. Now we're getting to the actual <laughs> lack of representation thing.
1: Which I, is I, what a core argument for the people who wanted to leave.
0: Correct, correct. Oh. Uh, uh, also, uh, full disclosure,
1: uh, America wanted to leave for a lack of representation among other things. Yes, and that was cited by <laughs> many of the people for leave. Was They said that you know we should follow that ideal, and that was a worthwhile reason. So anyhow, I want to move past that. I'm going to yes. move past that because – Everybody, the whole world is very polarized about this sort of issue and is convinced the other side is absolutely stupid, racist, ignorant, or whatever. Let's forget that for the moment. Let's assume that everybody has to themselves equally valid reasons for why they're pro or con. Let's Got assume it. that. Let's pretend for a moment there are people on both sides of the issue who are very intelligent. Let's pretend for that for a moment, okay? All right, I believe oh. it. I'm going to go beyond pretending, right into full on buying it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept it, that we could put two reasonably intelligent people in a room that can come out with cogent arguments for either side of it, okay? Which, to listen to some sides, they won't acknowledge that. I'm you telling know. you, it's that fun house mirror. Both of you guys, knock it off. Come yeah. up with it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Never So mind. let's move past that. Let's move past that because this is an entry point into what do we want the world government, governments, or whatever to be like 100 years from now? What shape do we want? Like that to be.
0: Okay, so let's project, let's say 200 years into the future. Um, here's the weird part. I, I, I don't know why I feel this way, and I'd be interested to know. Uh, uh, in right in, if you have an opinion on this, but for some reason, I like the idea of there always being an opposition party to everything. um as as crazy as some of the stuff he says is, uh, my favorite thing Jesse Ventura ever said when I saw him at a speech <laughs> was uh, was what's so great about a two- party system? That's only one more party than Russia had. and uh, and uh, i I thought that was pretty great. And so I love the idea of there being uh, if not, if not, multiple governmental entities, uh, at least different political entities, and for some reason, I want to believe that two or three hundred years into the future, um, I, I want to believe that there's a moon contingency, that there's an Earth contingency, that there's a uh, a, a greater Earth satellite uh, contingency, and uh, and you know, an outer uh, asteroid belt contingency, all of which that have different motivations and that they. Um, negotiate and work to, uh, you know, from differing viewpoints to come to a, a compromises that benefit humanity. So what does that mean? What that I guess what that means is, for some reason, the idea of like the 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 thesis as you proposed proposed it was what do we want a one government world to look like? Is my, my or do instance. we want a one
1: government world? I'm I'm I'm, I'm not I'm saying what what a hundred years from now what do you think it should be
0: i think I think all of our debates should be settled with uh ping pong tournaments right. and i think that
1: no, seriously uh, give me
0: a serious uh, answer. no 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 like, i mean i i say that half jokingly but but like we're already seeing that right now uh nowadays many ideas are being settled not with body counts with physical murders but instead they are they're they're proxy wars of spending money and people, uh, as money represents uh the the sum product of of work and effort and energy, people are dedicating them to different ideas, whether it's to buy propaganda for their side or to buy um, uh, 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 sabotage for the other side or whatever. Um, uh, We're already seeing that in In the increasing robotic robot, robotization of warfare, where it 's like what if war in the future was nothing about but but whose robots could kill more of the other guy 's robots and waste more of the other guy 's money we 're even seeing that nowadays in in the movement towards cyber warfare where a viable a uh, very terrifying strike would be: what if the economy got shut down right. for four days or whatever? Like, yeah, but I want to continue in that direction.
1: It still has to be tied to the real capability to do damage, though. You know, it has to be ca- tied into a real way to damage productivity or something, though. You know, and the, and the scenarios where people go to where they jump like, ah, and that's why we could settle it with you know something else. Like, no, it's it still got to be like you know the Cold War in many ways. You know, we started using computers in the 1950s to sort of try to predict the outcomes of war. Like the, the defense industry was one of the biggest funders of computational technology because they were trying to figure out for first, you know, how to, how to make, you know, bombs land better to how to, you know, produce fissionable uranium to then, you know, hey, how do we win this Vietnam War if we, you know, program in certain data and get the outcome we want? And then sometimes it says, no, you can't. And, well, we'll throw that out. We've we've been doing that, you know, to your point, we've been doing that for years using computers to compute, you know, Russian, you know, land army sizes versus ours to figure these things out. Like, yeah, no, not a good idea to go to war. Uh and I think that and I think that, you know, we had, you know, there was fifty years of peace in Europe, uh, outside of, you know, the Balkans, uh, prior to, you know, the UK joining, you know, the EU, and I think we'll probably have the same thing. And we've had for Europe and America and whatnot, we for you know for modern capitalist nations we've had peace. You know we've had this continuous peace since World War II, and I think that's likely to continue. Um, sure, Mike. Yeah, you know, and, and and there are instances of civil war. Civil war being a separate sort of issue, but you know I think that you know for the most part that's going to continue. I think that we all want the idea of. I think we all love the idea at some point of being able to travel freely, right? Oh sure, sure, certainly, certainly. Uh,
0: both both. Uh you know, uh in intra country, intra continent, intra globe, and, and extra globally. Mm-hmm.
1: Now the problem gets into is that is that the the problem of traveling freely happens when you live in a place and you're afraid that you're gonna get too many people traveling to your place. <laughs> you know and and driving up prices or whatever and that's where the fear you know not my backyard sort of mentality comes in there it's a great idea to go freely but when all of a sudden you know you can't buy a house because everybody wants to live where you will have then that's when people get upset
0: but isn't that a however inefficient a self-correcting problem in that in that for example austin is going to, through that now there's people moving to austin they're like whoa bro i moved to austin and i can't afford to live in this city and and like that that as frustrating as that is that reduces the appeal to moving to Austin
1: because there's so many people moving in and and they can't afford to live well, there. Well, but it depends. Then if you if you have, but if you have higher income people, like you take a place like San Francisco, and if you live there and you're a middle income family, the problem you have is that you find yourself increasingly being priced out of there, and that's a problem in California in general. There are people who are being priced out of here because higher people with higher incomes coming in or people. Or lower-income people who are more comfortable with a higher density in a house. You know, people who are more comfortable putting six people in a house where normally two people would
0: want to live. Well, and plus also, think about this. If we're talking about like in far future, we are entering a phase where thanks to virtual reality – uh, six people might be able to live more comfortably in all in their own you know, uh, uh, individual uh, uh, cell inside a house because they have outside right there in their room and they throw on their virtual reality and get the majority of their running around going anywhere experience uh, very cheaply.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I think we're a ways away from that, though. Well, well
0: hold on. I mean, how, how far off? Because we were talking 100, 200 years out. You don't, you don't. No, think- I
1: I, you know, I agree. I guess what I'm saying is like, and, and 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 yes, your point. I did say like 100 years from now. What do you want the shape of things to be like? And I guess that, you know, using using contemporary Austin as an example, that's you know we're still not at the point we're okay with that kind of density. But I agree. At some point, we're gonna. I think if we have faster forms of travel. And you're able to take small spaces and make them much more spacious. absolutely agree. So
0: let's talk about this. Let's talk about uh, – let's not go 100 years out. As soon as let's say 10, 15, 20 years out, let's assume that all of a sudden uh, uh, self-driving cars and Uber – is uh, fairly ubiquitous and cheap. Uh, uh, moving movement from place to place is is close to free or approaching free or whatever. All of a sudden, you don't need a car. You don't need a garage. You don't need um, uh, parking spaces or whatever. Um, uh, all, all of a sudden, it uh, all of a sudden a five bedroom house becomes. Essentially a five apartment co-op where all of a sudden uh five you know, five strangers or couples could live perfectly comfortable sharing uh you know the kitchenette or whatever and and going everywhere to and from work or uh, all all of a sudden
1: freely. Um I, well, I, yeah, sorry, let's, go ahead. Let's say uh, yeah, I think uh, sure. But are we gonna see, you know, as people move from the farms to the cities then we came up with the idea of the suburb, and the idea was a car. The car made it possible to work in the city, but not have to live there. You know, the car made it possible because the car you were able. The problem when you originally you were trying to radiate outwards from cities, just using traditional commuter rails, whatever, it got exponentially more expensive the larger the area you tried to cover. Right, which is one of the reasons when people get frustrated by you know the transport, you know, like public transportation is they don't understand it's it's exponentially more expensive the further out you try to radiate. If you're moving along a corridor. It's, you know, you can, you can figure that out. It's a very simple cost, but when you radiate and make, I'm for the audio listeners, I'm making a circle that gets wider and wider and wider, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the amount of line that you need to have, it gets more and more expensive. But if you, if you can have like faster routes of transportation, faster driving cars, things like that, then we, do we have like the sub suburb and I'm sure the extra burb, I'm sure there's already some urban planning word or phrase for this, but the idea of like, oh, okay, you know, what's, you know, I live, you know, here I live in Burbank if i go 30 miles, you know, northeast, you know, there's nothing, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot more empty space there, so if we have a high speed corridor that connects here to there, then, you know, you could start building even more suburbs in there.
0: Or fifty so, miles yeah so so I would say in a perfect vision and there's a million reasons why this could be wrong but let's say all cars are electric vehicles that are efficiently powered by uh you know let's say solar uh, or or wind with efficient batteries or whatever so essentially the energy cost is virtually nil um let's say they're all self driving so that you don't have any labor cost to to get into town and let's say that that due to uh, mesh network uh clever um swarm technology they're able to go 90 miles an hour four feet apart uh in in the highway all of a sudden you literally could live anywhere and your longest commute is maybe maybe 40 minutes the current average commute basically Mm -hmm. only along that time you can sleep you can be productive you can do your hygiene stuff and you don't even have to worry about parking when when you get there do you think that we so here's the question is, given that technology, do you think that we continue our consolidation into giant hive cities, which seems to be the tendency of humans to want to live next to each other? Or do you think we see a diaspora where everybody all of a sudden moves so far out and they all find their own five acres with their own sunset
1: where they don't see another house as far as the eye can I, see? The answer is both. Not everybody wants the same thing. Yeah. You know, I don't – I I like going to New York I don't like living, you know, on the 30th floor and stacked in there like that. You know, I like the suburb where I can go outside and I can walk around at night. Yeah. You know, um, I enjoy that. I think different things for different people. But I, I do think that, and we've been touched about this in the chat room, is I think that, I think one of the biggest liberating things is going to be is like, listen, it would be great if we could like hyperloop up stuff like, you know, places. But that's that's really far off for a number of reasons, you know, and and – Uh, many reasons. And I think that more shorter term is going to be taking HOV lanes, we've talked about this before, and making those into high-speed electronic transit lanes where you do take your Uber robot car that goes 100 miles an hour, you know, in the and in, in making it like, oh, let's just open up that lane, and let's say companies that want to provide mass transit, that are robot transit that can go ridiculously fast, we're okay with it.
0: I just had an astonishing thought because you were mentioning how some people like to live in the country, some people like to live in the city, and it occurred to me, like the the instinctual thought was like, well, what about people who like both? And I and I realized in this super efficient economy, you would. Probably – or many people would be able to afford both, but then it occurred to me, what if people only wanted to stay in the city one out of seven days? Well, it wouldn't make sense to rent an apartment and have it sit unused all this time. And then I imagine – and I'm sure this has been thought of by some science fiction author before me – but what if there was essentially an Uber of apartments where – uh, imagine a skyscraper with hmm. with a hundred units, all identical except for the uh, the, uh, the 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 second room pod or the or the closet pod. And so, what you did was you dialed up that you wanted to visit your apartment uh, robotically. It tetrised hmm. up. Your closet pod in there. You, it was never. All the rooms were identical, so it always felt like you were coming home to the same room. Mm -hmm. Um, The the paintings were uh, were programmed to switch over to all your favorite posters uh the uh uh, uh you, you, so you dial it up like an uber you get there it's always on a different floor always in a different uh, uh wing or whatever but the moment you walk in the lights look like home the music playing looks like home all the posters and decorations and art look like home you open mm-hmm. up the closet all your stuff is there right where you left it as if it is um oh, man that would be astonishingly efficient and would make everyone feel like they they had a second apartment
1: hey you could you could I mean it I mean, kind of it's sort of a timeshare, you know, and you, you could certainly figure out, you know, there are a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different solutions. You know, your your is gonna have to do with like, you know, the peak or when do people need to be there kind of thing. But yeah, I mean there's you know, you're seeing a lot of really amazing disruptive things, Airbnb, which is causing cities to change laws to prevent it or whatever because it's affecting property prices. Uh you know a lot of fascinating things, you know your idea of the closet like it could just be, it could be a service where you could have a service could store your closet in a pod and push it into wherever you're going to stay when you're back to go visit there i don't know what percentage of people you know what the market would be for like that, but i sure- certainly think that that will be an answer for some people. Um, yeah, well know.
0: well especially when what you don't want is a permanent residence because if that's important to you to live in the st- city and stay in the city you'd of course pay for an actual place but if you wanted to feel well and I guess and again we we are just describing a timeshare but we're talking about a fidelity of experience that was heretofore you know impossible to achieve mm-hmm. for the kind of costs that you would be able to do it in the future. Mhm.
1: You know, an idea I've been playing with is the uh, the subject of the closet. Is if if you asked me if I wanted to roboticize one thing, it would be to ter- turn my closet into basically a TARDIS for all my stuff and have basically robot arms and manipulators that I could take clothes, everything, just throw it into a little. You know, uh, compartment there and have it figure out how to pack everything super dense inside of there. Everything needs well, to be pressed and folded.
0: And the, and there's no reason like – so imagine your experience in that case would be you wake up from your apartment, you you leave your clothes everywhere, you have your coffee, you just leave the apartment like you normally would and you would leave – and in your mind, it would be as though some maids came, folded up everything, put it back away, put everything back where it belonged. Uh, in in you know, and and then you came home, and granted, you came home to another address, but you came home to essentially to to what looks like the exact same apartment well, only with everything put I, away.
1: I was just thinking for stationary, not not this this rambling man lifestyle, but the idea of just. The idea of think about like – think about all the stuff you have in your your house, all the stuff you don't use or all the crap that you don't – you you know, Ikea comes up with ways to store. Sure. Just the idea of how do you maximize space and imagine the idea if you took – you know, you, that we have computer algorithms to figure out how to stack things together. What's the most efficient way to stack stuff? And we, we accumulate garbage and stuff like that. Like I was thinking just for like my books behind me, like I would love – you know, just have like one unit that sticks out, maybe two and a half feet, three feet from my wall. Here, I could put everything into. it. Could have a video display on the front. Could show me. Could it could look like in one one display. Could look like it's just a you know a library, yeah. or I could have one in my cl- in my bedroom that I just throw all my clothes in there, and and then a, I can stand in front of them and say, oh, what outfits do I have? But it could efficiently pack and press and fit all the stuff in there because then you could you could compress everything into a very small space. And then if you got really, really clever, some things could be 3D replicated, it says, oh yeah, we're just going to break this thing down, we'll print it for you again when you need it. Dude, that is the most amazing part. The idea
0: that something could be replicated, uh, uh, both in your data and, and other stuff. Because think about hoarders, uh, the reason people hoard is because they have a hard time letting go of the past and they, they feel like, well, if I give, you know, this is my favorite alarm clock, it was given to me by my mom when I was in fifth uh, fifth grade or whatever. Like, if I let this go, then I'm letting go of that memory or whatever, but but let's. Uh, uh, my wife was the one who was who who just started saying like, look, just take a picture of it and then throw it away. You'll always have that picture, and you can look and remember that memory. It'll be just as precious as ever. But it's like going a step farther where it's just just like yeah, preserve in memory for reconjuring later, and you'll probably never ever ask it to be re three D printed or whatever. But but down the road, if there's ever a moment where you're like, hey, bring back everything I remember or or I had from fifth grade, and it all of a sudden. And it gets all reprinted, and, and you have that novel experience of like coming home after whatever. I don't know. That's uh, all of this stuff could be automated and 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 brought right now almost to a fidelity good enough for you to experience the nostalgia hit.
1: Certainly in a hundred years, it'll be a hundred percent there for sure. I you know I I still. I thought – you know, I would have thought 20 years ago that I would probably have all of my books to be digital and I wouldn't be holding on to books, but I found out that I still like printed books. I still like to hold on to them. I still like to I read them.
0: I love – okay, so I, I'm actually having an ethical dilemma because I love my printed books and I love looking at other people, people's libraries because it's like looking into their minds. Mm-hmm. I love looking at my own library, but I also deeply enjoy um, – Chatting with someone and having them, you know, maybe they'll say they have a dilemma. And I was like, oh, there's this great book you should read. And I love that experience of saying, hold on one second, walking over to the library, grabbing the book and just giving it to them. There's nothing like giving someone a book. And at the one it, on one level, I'm pained because I, I won't have it now. But on the other level, I, I, I deeply love the idea of like, here's something that I held in my hands that was precious to me, that I that had a profound experience on my mind. And now I'm giving it to you and it will hopefully have the same experience.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I would love for, I don't know, I, I, the idea of a uh, – if – we could make a digital book that, like, could feel like a real one. You know, the pages. Could, I mean, we have certain forms of, like, paper and stuff like that. Like, I would feel much easier about the idea of, you know, if I ha- if my Kindle could actually be a, what looked like, you know, if I could grab a book and then it could have, you know, actually have the pages change or whatever, whatever book it wanted to be. I, I
0: feel would. like we're not. That far from mm-hmm. and if not that something close enough to it that it becomes sort of um uh, you know this virtual ownership so so picture picture instead of a Kindle, you have a two hundred page pure e ink volume that that you're able to you know shake and it goes from being a copy of public enemy zero to uh, to angel killer to you know to whatever and then and and you could go through the pages and find the passages and then you could give. Or for a nominal charge, let's say let's say you're like, oh no, no no, I love this book. This passage means like here, pull out your you know uh,
1: virtual book or whatever. Could, it it could function like Kindle does today, you know, where you can you know in in that sense, but just give us a different format where it actually feels like a real book.
0: Yeah, it would be great too. Uh, does Kindle have automatic? I I I. You can lend titles on Kindle,
1: correct? Yes. If they if the publishers can allow you to lend titles. Can, yes. can
0: you set a default retrieval time because that's the one thing that makes people anxious about lending is cuz so often we lend stuff and we never get it back. It'd be great if you could lend a book and then and say like, "Hey, I'll give you a 30-day lending on it," and then like after 30 days it just automatically quietly reverts back to 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 you.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know. Kindle
0: says you can lend a Kindle book to another reader for up to 14 days. So it does it automatically. Yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. Well, boy, it's a testament to uh uh how insightful yet unused that feature is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that
1: that the three of us could not know that automatically. <laughs> and I and I enable my books for lending and you would think I don't know. I'm like, "Sure, <laughs> all right. I like the idea.
0: I would like to see the same thing I'd like to see Amazon do the same thing with Audible because being somebody who lives in the Audible ecosystem uh, right now, I just have to. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I wish I wish I could marry my wife's Audible library, even, but I can't. We have to be separate separate apartments.
1: Can I can I tell you that the the problem I've been having with Audible lately, though? What's that? Uh, often enough, I get my credit and I go look to see how I want to spend my credit. And my credit, I'm paying like fifteen bucks a month. I find out that on Amazon I can buy the ebook for like 10 bucks and get the audiobook for like five bucks extra. Oh, so you keep buying the audiobook extra? Well, rather I'm like, than using why am credit? I subscribing to Audible if it's actually cheaper to get the ebook and the audiobook?
0: I mean yeah. I know for I know for me because I will never read the ebook. I will read. Yeah, but
1: I'm saying it's still I'm not saving even then I'm still spending more. I'm not getting anything extra the subscriptions. Oh, I'm I see. Saying. You're so, saying nine ninety nine for the book plus four uh, ninety nine to get the ebook. Uh, yeah. you know, get the audible version. So I've I've had a number of times like, Oh I'm gonna buy it. and I go look at i like, like, well, no, I can just buy this for ten bucks and get the audible version for five bucks. And like, why am I paying fifteen bucks a month? And sometimes some of the things I look like the price is like cheaper if I just bought it outright. I think
0: some of the I might be making this up, but but like I I read so many audiobooks that I get ahead of schedule and I sometimes have to buy. Uh, this is even on the platinum to a month program, mm-hmm. I, I run out for the year and then I'll, I'll buy 20 credits for, I want to say like $100 or something like that. Uh, so it's only $5? Uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, it depends on certain sales or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I know this much. I know that uh, that that since I started doing audiobooks, I moved from reading two or three nonfiction books a year to reading 20 to 30 nonfiction books a year. Um, I guess even... More, yeah, no, I guess 20 to... Maybe forty. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, it's a good segue. You want to go into picks?
1: Let's go into picks. Dude,
0: do you, do you have one?
1: I have. Uh, yes, I do have a pick. Okay, I do too. And um, it's uh, Andrew shows up to the party uh, a year too late. Oh, and- this is my favorite. This is my favorite bit. Uh, and it's like it's, it's like. Like, like you know, people are like, oh, you're gonna love this. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure I'll love it. I know. I, let me let me get around to it. Um, and then, you know, I'm kind of laid up in bed feeling ill. Um, and, uh, six hours later, I'm six episodes through, um, enjoying the hell out of it. And then I'm like, I got to get to sleep because I got to get up tomorrow on podcast. Then I got to finish this book and turn it into my editor. Um, Mr. Robot.
0: Oh my God. It's so good. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mr. Robot is amazing it um i'm gonna say something and you're gonna think i'm saying it's a spoiler but this is truly the moment i watched the first episode stylistically uh concept wise uh thematically the moment i saw mr robot episode one pilot i said holy crap this is fight club the tv show this is amazing
1: uh, yeah i would say that it's <clears throat> um very much and then you start looking for those sort of elements or things to that um hold on a second
0: yeah th- that's okay but 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 they definitely make little winks and nods
1: indicating but then they go and say well no because if this is the logic we're following then you're not going to see this thing happen and then and then it but it's also it's like it is an amalgamation of it's you know this is uh created and written by Sam Ismail who also directed a number of the episodes fantastically shot extremely well directed i thought the writing's amazing and it, and it's like you're like Hey, you like Fight Club? Great. You like American Psycho? We've got him in there, too. You know, we've got, you know, uh, we have Bateman's here. We've got all these characters you love from all these sort of other things. They're all here, which is I, I like it, you know, but it is this sort of thing. That you're like, oh, House of Cards. We've got this thing you thought was really cool here, too. Sure, sure. Uh, well, and, and uh, I, I don't know if you heard,
0: but Sam Esmail is uh, is confirmed to be directing all the episodes of episode
1: of season two of, of Mr. Robot, which, by the way, comes out in just over two weeks. Yeah, he did a number of the ones for season one. And Correct. so I mean, he did a great job. Um, so uh, it's one of these things like, I love Fight Club. I love Fight Club. Now Fight Club for me the politics like, "Oh, let's destroy all the banks." It's like, you mean like your your mom's pension plan?
0: <laughs> 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 you know,
1: the thing that's going to keep her out of, you know, poverty, you know, when she gets older and can't work for her, you know, support herself like that. that. that that's that? the double-edged sword is like, "Yes,
0: we could destroy the things that hold the debt, but also the people who bought that debt might be your neighbor
1: and you." Yeah, <laughs> the largest <laughs> holders of that debt are sure, actually Sure, sure, you know, but forget um, all that. Forget all that. Just, yeah. just, just you know, <laughs> yeah. wave your hands over that. Forget that evil, you know. And so once just, just get over that and, and you know, you just enjoy it. Just enjoy it, you know. And so uh, absolutely, absolutely loved, loved, thought. It was extremely, extremely well done, well presented. You know, the, the idea of the unreliable narrator can either be very problematic or very interesting. But when the unreliable narrator pretty much tells you, hey, I'm an unreliable narrator, great. Yeah, it, it 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 does. It's it's
0: very upfront with all that stuff, and the guy who plays the main character is is just great. He's he's got uh, uh, Rami Malik has that haunting look. Yeah. Um. Uh. He's 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 amazing. Um. And and Christian Slater, uh, is is just the right amount of coy. Um. Uh. It's 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 he's it's great. It's great. I can't say enough good stuff about it.
1: Yeah. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, geez. Oh, it's on, it's on Amazon Prime right now. So you, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it for
0: free. Well, I've got... I, uh, spo- I'm going to give a spoiler alert on my pick for After Things. It's going to be uh, Ego is the Enemy, and I'll talk about why in After Things. But since you were talking about being late to the party, I'll play the same game and say my pick is something I was late to the party on until last night. Uh, it's a series that is masterfully executed. Note for note, perfection, creative, outrageous, and, and awesome. Uh, I thought it was going to be too heavy to get into. I thought it was going to be heavy handed and eye rolling and, you know, too smart for its own good. But it turns out it's just flat out hilarious from beginning to end, and that's uh, uh, IFC's documentary now. Oh, uh, yeah. Bryce already had it called I up. He nailed it. it. He guessed <laughs> it. So so good. I I was unprepared. I watched the first three episodes last night. We uh, we um, the the one where they're riffing on Vice is oh, amazing. Drones. <laughs> drones. Uh, Jack Black showing up as the editor in chief was awesome. Uh, the 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 of the north uh so so good i i i am utterly delighted to keep going through the rest of it and i assume is there a second season bryce or is this the only They've one been
1: greenlit for second season oh yeah. so good uh, that was a show i was so prepared not to like because had every element that i could be like man it's not it's just a hipster bs that, kind of thing and then i realized it's totally what i thought clearly described me Oh, um, <laughs> uh, it did just the uh, sandy passage
0: Oh my god, the Sandy Passage where when it suddenly turns into <clears throat> spoiler alert, when it turns into like Blair Witch at the end, it was freaking amazing. Uh, By the way, I I think I was worried that it was going to be another Portlandia, and I think there are things I like about Portlandia, but I think in general it's a little bit too high-minded for its own good. Its pacing is a little bit slow, whereas um, documentary now, because they're riffing on specific uh, documentaries and they say which one in the notes, they're like, this is our take on blank. This is our take on blank. Set in the exact same time period, it is note perfect in its execution Uh so good, so funny.
1: Yeah, yeah. Glad you're gonna like it. So, uh gentlemen, it's been weird. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.